Memphis, 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 Memphis. Nothing but Memphis. Everywhere we go, it's Memphis. Welcome to On the Bluff, a Bluff City Media audio podcast. Stepping up to the microphone are your hosts, Gabe Kuhn and Christian Fowler. Now, let's get to the show. And we are back. <laughs> What's up, Gabe? We sure are back, man. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. Yeah. That pause dude, there. A heck of a sign-on, man. That's an unbelievable sign. You're getting good at this. Yeah, oh yeah. You're a real fantastic. pro over here. <laughs> Okay, so Gabe, we are in another new studio. Yeah, man. Um, Kenny and the paint job. I mean, this is kind of uh, went full roll. It's unbelievable. We think you could I, catch the reference. No, I don't catch the reference. Full even rolling remotely. stones, paint it black. I no. Okay. Are you a Rolling Stones guy? No, it's just you it listen worked. to Stones. No, it just worked. But no, I mean, painted this black in one week, one day, from what I understand. Yeah. Kenny, shout out. Yeah, man. Kenny, big time in it. And we got some new artwork yeah. on the walls. Yeah. Valspar? Was this Valspar paint? <laughs> no. Sh- your, your local Sherwin-Williams? This is a Stubblefield original. Can right? I tell you all the story? Can I tell you all the story about it? Of course. All Let's that? hear it. So basically, my dad painted that tiger painting right there when he was 13 years old. So that, that's w- That one art shows. For sure. So, so yeah. It's impressive. That's his, uh, that's his painting. I got it from him, and it's hanging in the studio now. That's sweet. <laughs> yep. That's sweet, man. Yep. Simple and sweet. Also, this oh. little guy. <laughs> this little guy right here. Look at this. It's so cute. In. It's so cute. We got Diet Cokes. Get your little bev. Can you get, can you get, can you get that out for me? <laughs> you know I mess with my mic too much. Come on. <laughs> I can't get it either. Come on. It's you can't like get it in there. It's stuck. It's so, it's Come so, on. It's, so, it's such a small. There we go. I got it. Here we go. Okay. We're good. We're safe. All right. What am I going to. Oh, you, you want some? <laughs> Dealer's choice, Waterloo, sparkling water. This thing's cute. Frigid air. Another. Hey, do Frigid I? air. Oh. Frigid air. All right. In the much? mic. In the mic. Yeah. That was a strong pop. Yeah. Is that is that sparkling water? Sparkling water, I guess. All right. Yeah. We should probably start uh start with some tigers, tiger basketball. Kenny, um, that's good. By the way. Eighty-two seventy-three over Auburn. Wait, wait, wait. We got to get to something before that. Okay. Big news broke Monday. Okay, Demario. Yeah, there you go. There yeah, you're go. right. You're right. DeMaria. And we do. And, and by the way, we have a one-on-one. Kenny sat down with Demario. Yes. Um, we'll be posted on BluffCityNIL.com. Yeah, it's so there check now. Check that out. Yep. I mean, it's fantastic. Yep. Very well done. Yeah, but that's Kenny, massive news. Yeah, Kenny's the goat. Got an interview with him on YouTube on the site. Go check it out. Uh, but yeah, absolutely massive news. As we know, the waiver situation has been crazy. I mean, he missed, what, 10 games already into the season? Yep. Is that correct? Eight and two? Yeah. Yep. So, 10 games into the season, DeMario Franklin finally is available for this team. Uh, we'll get into what that means for the upcoming Alabama game first, but obviously uh, he brings a lot. 6-3, big slashing guard, can mm-hmm. move. Uh, Penny's praised his defense, said he's as good as Alex Lomax defensively. And also, you know, we've been talking a lot about who's the third guy. And it's been Alex Lomax up to this point. And when Penny was asked, definitely said that DeMaria could be that guy, uh, that he completely changed this team. And so we'll get to see that uh, hopefully on Tuesday night against Alabama. But first, as you were talking about, get into it. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I mean, well, first of all, I want to start there. I want to start with DeMaria. 18 points a game last year at UIC. And I know there's a lot of Tiger fans out there that are perturbed with how this whole situation went down. And, and I understand his dad's mad. He's, he's a little mad about it, um, although he's happy to be cleared. But 
Um, that whole situation, the way it shook out, was just weird. And in this day and age of college athletics, college basketball in general, glad to see he finally gets to go. But 18 points a game last year, six rebounds. Dude can ball. Absolutely. And, and, and it kind of, and we, we referred to this last week. It sort of feels similar to the way that Penny talked about DeAndre when right. he was when he was not being cleared from Evansville. And you look at DeMaria, DeMaria and, and you see sort of what he brings to the table, this is going to add so much more offense and, and more IQ, uh, another experienced player. It, it's going to be so helpful. And coming off that win against Auburn, too, like the sky just feels like the limit right now in Tiger basketball. And Gabe, did we call it or did we call it? Yeah, we called it. We called it. <laughs> we, like like word for word, yeah, basically. We, we pretty much, not to you know break our yeah, arms, patting ourselves on yeah, the back or yeah, anything, because yeah. you know when we're wrong, we're going to get murdered. We won't mention it, though. We won't mention it. <laughs> we won't mention Yeah, but other people will. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. I, I think we kind of saw that Auburn may have been a little bit overrated, hadn't played some gauntlet schedule up to this point. We're still figure out, figuring out who they were, their identity. Uh, we're a good defensive team, but you know, still up and down offensively. I mean, they honestly were one of the best defenses in the country. I think they were yep. allowing 58 points a game, and Memphis dropped was 82, 82-73. So they dropped 82 on one of the best defenses in the country, minus one of their you know best players in Demoria, who's who's now back. So incredible win. Like we said, it would have been one of Penny's biggest wins, and it's up there. I don't I don't know yep. if you can say it's the biggest. Um, just like reaching back and kind of pulling out Tennessee was huge. Yeah. Um, uh, Houston, Houston at Houston at Houston huge. was big. So there's there there have been some big ones, but this is this is up there. You know, this is at, at the top. Of and the look list. at some of these names. Penny Hardaway starting to knock off. You add Rick Barnes. Yep. Uh, now you add Bruce Pearl to that. Nate Oates. Um, Kelvin Sampson. Kelvin Sampson several times. It, it's starting to be good. And, and, and Penny's starting to show his chops as a college coach. And, and that's the one thing, I think, looking back at all of the stuff and all of the nonsense that's been talked about Penny in the past. And I think, you know, he brought some of it upon himself with some of the issues he had with, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen, all the trying to manage all of the stuff behind the scenes. Yeah. But the learning process has paid off and – you go into games like that against Auburn and you're confident with what they can do, especially on the defensive end. And what we said, and part of the biggest call-out and why we were right about this whole thing, is I said, Wendell Green Jr., and you look at uh, KD Johnson. I said, going into that game, Alex Lomax, Kendrick Davis, Elijah McCadden, Keontae Kennedy, whoever's playing perimeter defense can hold those, go- hold those guys down, I should say. Yeah. And what happened? Eight for 24 from the field. One for 11 from the three for both of those guys. Auburn just didn't have enough offense because no. the Tigers were pertur- bothering them so yeah. much. And and you saw that show through, and that's why you get a nine-point win basically on the road. I mean, I, I don't know if you saw that crowd, yeah, but absolutely. basically an Auburn crowd 80 to 20. I mean, it was it's only an hour and a half down the road. That was that was impressive start to finish. And what about Kendrick Davis? Um we talked about him last week a lot. Obviously, it's hard to go through an episode of doing this and not talk about Kendrick Davis and what he brings to the team. But what we hit on last week was, first off, that he was unlocking Alex Alex Lomax. Yep. And secondly, that he'd been pretty inefficient so far this year. And it had some up-and-down games. He, he wasn't up-and-down <laughs> in that Auburn game. He was locked in, yeah. man. And, like, 
coming off those last two games where he was seven for 33 from the field, and people – that was a well-made point going into that game. Right. Nine for 19, 27 points, nine rebounds, six assists. The lights got bright, and he showed up. And we've seen that in the past. That's why he's the AAC Player of the Year last year. That's why he's been able to do these things in his collegiate career. Yeah. Um, and why wh- – wherever it is, overseas in the NBA, why you think he'll have a good professional career. But – he was unbelievable the other night. Yeah, 27, and, 9, and 6. And he took it upon himself, heard the noise, and said, to hell with all of it, I'm yeah. going to go out and ball. But that's what the best players in the country do in big-time games, is they go out and they win the game, they put the team on the back. DeAndre Williams had a great performance. Alex yep. Lomax had a great performance. But there is no way Memphis beats Auburn without Kendrick Davis being Kendrick Davis. Mm-hmm. And that's what he brings to the team. And – Kenny, are you you good to speak over there? I got you. Me and you talked on uh, on Saturday night about Kendrick. And do you remember what you told me? Do you remember what you said about if you have the best player on the floor? Yeah, I mean, in college basketball, if you have the best player on the court, most of the time you're going to win. And yep. I think that's in really any sport, but especially in college basketball, if you have the best player, you're probably going to win that game. Yep. Yeah, you have any other thoughts on that performance before we you know we get? I mean, just in over here? like I was sitting there watching him play, and I go, man, has have the Tigers had a player when in Penny Hardaway's era? Have the Tigers had a player that thrives in a moment like that? Yep. So well, right? Like, yep. That it just—it's pretty stunning. Like he told me at the beginning of the year, I interviewed him after he announced his commitment, and he said just one of the most confident things I've ever heard a, a player say. He said, "When I'm on the on your team, I'm good for ten wins. Just me playing." means you're going to win 10 games. Yeah. You just got to find out where to find the other 10 wins. And that was one of those games. He absolutely was the reason the Tigers won. Now, let's not take away from the fact that all these other guys had great games, but Kendrick Davis in that primetime moment stood up and and was a primetime player. And and coming into that game, just like nothing was going his way. Got kicked out of one. We were worried about a suspension. I mean, it's it's – it's wild to think he just turned it on like that, snap of a yeah. finger, was ready for that moment. And, and you know, the Tigers, I don't think, have really had that type of guy in no. that impact moment. But also, just even even broader than that, I don't know if they've had a guy that can facilitate offense and score in that same mold, in that same role. I mean, you could look to Jeremiah Martin year one, but it took till the end of the year for him to really come along yeah. to, to that point. But he Kendrick was going Davis, nuclear, I think. Yeah, he was going, I mean, 40 points, you know. Yeah, yeah I get it. But, but Kendrick Davis, this is a different player than we're used to Penny Hardaway and the Tigers having. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it has led to a reawakening Alex Lomax, DeAndre Williams not having to play a massive role, even though he still does. It, it, it has done so much for this team, and that's why they sit at 8-2. and two And let – I mean, I looked at the AP poll. I mean, they're right outside 74 votes. I probably, you know, I thought they should have probably got in. But you're right there at basically 26 if you want to do that. Right. Um, But but that's why they're there is because Kendrick Davis provides so much night to night. Yeah, I think a lot of people were surprised by that. Also, Kenny and I were talking yesterday, last night, and he was like, man, I'm kind of wondering where they're going to be. Like, where are they going to be in this thing? And I was like, I I feel pretty confident that they're going to be ranked. But, you know, I don't know. Will they be 24, 25? Will they be a 2019 area? And like you said, Miami got in in that last spot over them, and, and Memphis gets the or the 
others receiving yeah, votes. Yeah, others receiving votes. People say 26, 27. That's, to me, that's not what it is. Like, if you do the net ranking, 20, that's yeah. that's there, Ken yeah. Palm. But honestly, the, the Tigers' net rating, the Tigers' Ken Palm rating, very high. I mean, yeah. 38 in net, and Kenny, you'd have to remind me. I'm not totally sure where they're at at Ken Palm. 20, I think 26. 25, I think. 25, 25. or 26. So, I mean, they're... they're you know, measurables are right there with the rest of the country on a national scale. And the the other thing about this year that's been kind of a breath of fresh air in a lot of ways, and I'm curious your thoughts, there hasn't been hype, right? There's not like this big hype machine coming into the year. There's no Memphis Madness. Um, they're, they're trying to keep everything low. Penny's not selling that guys are going to be first-round picks. They just come out, they've shown the work, and the results have followed. I mean, that's – and this is a personal thing, but that's what I like. Like, let the play speak for itself. It doesn't have to be all the flashing lights and the five stars and the first-round picks. Right. It doesn't have to be that. It's proven in college basketball that you can win without that time and time again. You're from the you're from the podunk, right, Christian? Like, you grew up in Mississippi. You went to Lew- <laughs> Lewisburg? Lewisburg, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the guy, and you might have been that guy in high school that had that – that would come into school and he'd be driving those big trucks jacked up on. That was Christian, man. That was like what Christian. are you talking about? That had to be Christian. Uh-uh. There, and there was always this like. Man idea. had a hunting light on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You yeah. see him and you go, he's got the like Dukes of Hazard, you know, uh, air horn thing going I wasn't, on. I wasn't one of those guys. You weren't that guy? You know that guy. You know that guy. There's like a, an overcompensation going on with, with that kind of stuff. And I wonder, I, I honestly feel like, because it, it was kind of weird for me at the beginning of this year going, I really don't know what to expect, right? There's no not one the did. hype. No There's one no, did. Nobody really knows what's going on. To me, as I see it now, and I see Penny Hardaway as he's on the floor, coaching on the bench, as he's talking to the media, there's a level of comfortability in yep. him mm-hmm. that I almost wonder if those flashy, all the smoke, big Memphis madness stuff was all a, a kind of a compensation for some of those things that he's now comfortable doing. Or it could have just been a learning experience, right? I mean, right. It's, a, it's a it's a coach that in Penny that's used to being the dude. Like, Penny is one of the best guards He's larger than life in yeah, the city. Like, we can't – you can't, you can't honestly, hide Honestly, nationally. Like, Penny yeah. – if you talk to people like Penny is that dude – but I think he realized, like, it doesn't have to be, like, backs against the wall, everyone, you know, us against everybody, all the smoke. It's just, like, it doesn't matter what I say at the also, end of the day. when you promise so much, right, when you promise, oh, we have a number one recruiting class, we're, we're going to be a sweet 16 team, right. even though he didn't, I don't think he literally no, but promised that. Get, but the I'm expectations get created off all the hype. Mm-hmm. You're creating this, this – these expectations that if you don't reach that pressure is immense on your back. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this year, not having that crazy expectation has relieved a lot of those, not just Penny, but a lot of those guys on that team, they can play free. They can play comfortable. And now you look at this, you got uh, Alabama and A&M in a row. You're three and O against the sec this year. I mean, you're sort of playing with house money, right? Yeah. At this point, you obviously you don't want to go in against both those teams and lose by a combined 40 points, right? You yeah. don't want to do that. But at this point, you've already saved your your sort of this four-game stretch that started with Ole Miss. You've saved two and two at the very least. Go in and just play with house money. Play like play like uh you have nothing to really lose and and See what happens by the end of it. Because the question going into last week, can they go three and one? That's right there on the table. I would favor that. That win against A&M at home, certainly right there. I, I, 
I mean, full disclosure, I'm, I think it's going to be an uphill battle the whole night to beat Alabama. Alabama yeah. just coming off a win against Houston where they looked unbelievable. Brandon Miller was 0 for 8, and they still won that game 71-65. Can I, make a, can I help you remind, some, remind you of something, though, Gabe? The same thing happened last year. Alabama went into Houston. Was it No, they were in Tuscaloosa last year against Houston, won that game at the buzzer. Nate Oates had that whole handshake thing yep. with – you remember that where – is all contentious. The trash cans got thrown on the ground. Right. What happened the very next game? They came to Memphis and got Whooped. curb stomped. Waxed. Yeah. But at the same time, now you're at Alabama. Right. Revenge factor on the mind for Alabama. They're not going to overlook this Memphis team. I just think it's going to be harder to win that game. Regardless, though, I think 3-1, and one, which a lot of people said, oh, that's a perfect scenario. Yeah. For a game against Auburn, game against Bama, game against A&M, th- and Ole Miss – Three and one was the perfect scenario, the ideal scenario. That's a favored scenario now. Because I'd imagine going again, even let's look past that Alabama game, that A&M game, probably favorite on your home floor. Yeah. Probably. I would say like 95% yeah. sure they'll be so, favored. So uh, this this team, from a from an expectation standpoint, those expectations weren't set as high in the preseason, so now they're over-delivering. Yeah. I've always – and this, is, this goes through business – Anything you do in your life, it's better to underpromise, overdeliver than overpromise and underdeliver. Yeah, that's always what I've been taught, and it's it's what Penny Hardaway's doing this year. But that quiet confidence is a different type of swag. Yep. It is a different type of swag. That's always been like my favorite coaches, my favorite athletes. When you just go out there and you know what's yep. coming, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to create like this big aura around the team and the staff and all this stuff. You just let what you do. Speak for itself, yep. and I love that. Like, yep. I, I'm not saying I don't like a little flashy and a little, and a little chippy and, and and talk crap every once in a while because I, I mean that stuff fires well, me up too. And, but and, and just from a, I'll say from a locker, and I don't mean to cut you off, but from a locker room standpoint, and just like if if you were in a locker room with people, the guys that are the captains of the team, the guys that uh, provoke the most response, the most positive stuff on a team are the quietest guys that just show lead by example yep. that type of thing. Um, obviously you like to see a little flash every once in a while, but that quiet confidence really like that shows through more. And that's, that, that's why people gravitate toward guys like that yeah. is because people that are humble and put themselves in that position and still have a confidence about them that they're going to go out and get their work done. Yeah. Actions speak, la- speak louder than words. Yeah. When you go out there and you dominate, it's, it's just different. Um, but huge, impressive win. I think they, I think they needed that. And we said that last week, this was, we didn't want to say must win because it feels a little bit weird to call an out-of-conference game yeah. early in the year a must win, but realistically, <laughs> that was that's one of your only opportunities for a big quad Outside one of win. Houston. Outside of Houston and Bama. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So, so that is massive to go get that win and to to really control the entire game. It, it Did you ever really feel like Memphis and, was in and, trouble? And here's here's the wild thing, too, about that. And No, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. From from. from Tip off to buzzer. Like, didn't really worry about it. Didn't sweat it. Free throw shooting was a little shaky in the second half, but it was fine. Um, but you look at that game as a whole, not their cleanest game at all. No. It was a season high in turnovers with 19, right? Like, it, they played probably a, what I would term, defensively an A game, A-plus game. But offensively, B, probably yeah. a B game. Yeah. There's just a lot of mistakes on the offensive end and still come out against the number 11 team in the country and win by nine. I mean, that was that was workmanlike, professional. 
whatever you want to adjective you want to attach yeah. to it, I, I, w- I would be fine with. That was that was good stuff from Penny Hardaway and that team. Absolutely. So now let's start to take that look ahead. To, to this will come out to t- tomorrow. So tonight's game against Alabama is another big quad yeah. one opportunity on the road. But man, this Alabama team is nasty. They yeah. beat two number one teams this year, North Carolina and Houston. Uh, the only loss is to number three UConn in a pretty tightly contested game. And UConn could have very well been number one. In yeah, this, they in this absolutely week's AP top twenty-five. Absolutely, but when you look down this roster, man, what Nate Oates is building at Bama is nasty. It, and he's got a lot of young guys, right? Still, I mean, uh, you, yeah, Clowney, I, Miller. Clowney, Miller, uh, Ryland Griffin. Betty Ako's still Betty relatively still young. young. But these are those three are freshmen. Yeah, those right. three are part of the number four class that just came in that is looked tremendous for Bama. You got Charles Betty Ako, former five star. You got uh, Mark Sears, Ohio transfer, who's yep. really been their their guy. Like he's their second leading scorer, their floor general, their leadership, their veteran guy. Um, and the list goes on and on with and, talent on this team. But then you mix in those older guys. Javon Quinterly's still yeah. there. I mean, how, again, how long has he been? It feels like he's been there forever. forever. But that team, from top to bottom, is going to be an uncomfortable matchup. I watched that game against SLU. The Tigers played earlier in the year. I think you get that from Alabama. They'll put up a lot of threes. They'll get up and down the floor a whole lot. They'll try to lock in on defense. But I think this Alabama team has more talent than that SLU team had. Oh, now, yeah, granted, sure. you can say what you want about Yuri Collins as a floor general. I think he's the best floor general in the in the country. But Sears can handle himself out there and set up things. I, I this is this is going to be a a massive matchup. And I think you know the Tigers pacing them and being able to have a chance to win. Uh, as we get to the end of the game, is going to be very dependent on one, of course, Kendrick Davis and what yeah. he can do on the offensive end. But can DeAndre Williams stay on the floor consistently? I'd imagine, and I don't know how the matchups will go, but I'd imagine that he would draw that matchup potentially of Brandon Miller. I don't know how that will go, and that's going to be a mother. And I understand DeAndre Williams is 26, 27, whatever he is, versus a 19 or 20-year-old. But at the same time, Brandon Miller's a dog, man. He's coming off a game that he did, he played awful until the last few minutes where he made eight free throws and, and iced the game for, for Bama. He's going to be out to prove something. And DeAndre cannot put himself in a situation behind the eight ball where he's out of the game early with a couple of personal fouls. Yeah, that'll that'll be interesting. I'll, Kenny, I want to ask you about that for a second because I think there's a lot of ways they can attack Brandon Miller with the length and the size that they have. What, what do you see them doing defensively? Do you see it as one guy or do you see kind of send a barrage and send multiple different guys to kind of mix up the looks that he's seeing? You know, I, I think if you look at – I think you can take a look at the Houston game and see how they defended him. Um, and Because, I mean, let's be real. I think I think Houston has some ta- more talented offensive players from top to bottom than Memphis does on their team. Um, but defensively, they're a lot alike. And so I think you're going to see a lot of those same schemes that that um, that uh, the co- Kelvin, Sampson, Kelvin Sampson – Yeah, Kelvin Sampson had on, on Brandon Miller. And that's a lot of blitzes, a lot of yep. – a lot of blitzes, a lot of on-ball defenders that as soon as he makes a dribble to his right, boom, someone's coming. Yeah. As soon as he gets the ball. And, and you saw him in that game. He didn't he didn't handle it. Like, mm-hmm. he couldn't handle that pressure. And so, you know, I, do I think DeAndre's going to play him? I think probably so. But that's going to be tough. If you, if you leave DeAndre on an island, 
with Brandon Miller, there's going to be foul trouble. Yeah, yeah so I agree. So I think what they're going to try to do is blitz the ball out of his hands and say, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to beat us from the three-point line. And they did yeah. that last year against Alabama. And, and here's Alabama the thing, Alabama can do that. They can do it. <laughs> they can do it. And I'm going to say this again. This is college basketball, and I think that there's always trap games. I look at this for Alabama as a trap game because look who they it's have a, after. It's a, it's a, and it's a, it's a bad matchup It's a bad game. matchup yeah. type game. You cannot overlook Memphis. Memphis is a talented and they, they're, they're, too, talented they're too good defensively to overlook. And defensively, they're just – they can shut you down. They play – they played Houston, Memphis, Gonzaga. Yeah. Yeah. And they got like, the Zags next in got, Birmingham. In Birmingham. So I just, I have a really weird feeling about this game. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I know it's going to be tough in Tuscaloosa. And I got a weird feeling about this game, boys. You know, to my DeAndre Williams point, I'll say this. I think besides that game against Auburn, he's done a really good job of trying to stay out of foul trouble. Yeah. And Penny has even mentioned that. He said, you know, DeAndre realizes what he means to the team, and he can't get those stupid technicals, and he can't yeah. get those stupid fouls and trying to contest shots. So he's done a good job with that. But that's that's going to be a key to the game. Don't, yeah. don't make any mistake about it. Yeah, and to the Brandon Miller point, he's very, very good. But he is nine games into his collegiate yep. career. And that's – I mean, that's just how it is. That's what freshmen – I mean, it doesn't matter how good you are – there are things that can confuse you and throw you off. There are things that can get you rattled. Now, could he come out and drop 25 on Memphis and have an amazing game? Yes, but could they confuse him and force yes. turnovers and force other people to beat them? Absolutely. But, Gabe, and Kenny, you can jump in on this if you want to. How does how does Memphis win this game? Is it offensively or is it defensively? Hey, we, we know what they are defensively, but we've seen what they can do offensively. We've seen some pretty good spike games from them. So how do they do it? If you can get Demaria involved, yeah, and Demaria is ready to roll, um, and obviously there might be some rust in game stuff that he has to shake off. So you have to sort of leave that there. But if you can get him involved offensively, they can probably keep up. But at the same time, what they have their calling card is what they have won games. What they won that Auburn game doing is playing defense, bothering people. That's what they are. They bend down and defend. That's been their equalizer. That's what they do. So, I, I mean, if you're going, especially early in the season with the experience they have, if you're going to ask me are they going to win this game offensively, defensively, I'm going to lean defensive every time because this is a Penny Hardaway coach team, and we know exactly what he wants to do, what his game plan will entail. Kenny, your two cents on this one? Yeah, I agree with I, I, give, I agree with Gabe. I think, you know, their calling card is their defense. Yeah. And, and I think that they are talented enough offensively to really do some damage. Um, but defensively, man, they there's just I don't think that there's a team that's going to just come in and blow them out like uh, that, that's going to just dominate them from start to finish. And yeah. so, um, you know, they're just defensively. They're too solid. They're too they're too disciplined, you know, to a degree. I mean, even even the most chaotic moments are disciplined for them yeah. on the defensive side of the ball. So. I agree with Gabe. I mean, I think if they win this game, it's going to be a, a largely a a defensive battle. And you know, you saw you saw what Houston did to Alabama in that first half, and obviously Alabama came back and you know from I think twelve minutes um, left in the game, just took over that game and shut Houston down. So man, it's going to be a heavyweight battle on the defensive end of the court, man, both sides. Yeah, I wish I could give a differing opinion here just to be different, right. but you can't. I mean, you can't. Like, Memphis is going – that Memphis' success this year is going to be gauged off of how their defense continues to play. Yep. We know what they've done in the first ten games, but the rest of the season, 
depends on their defense and the I don't I don't the the contributions of the offense if that makes sense. Yeah. It's 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 a compliment. Yeah. The offense is a compliment to the amazing defense that they play. Mm-hmm. So when if you're getting 20 from Kendrick Davis, if you're getting 12 to 15 from DeMario, if you're getting 15 from DeAndre Williams and getting the compliments of offense, that's when this team becomes special. So yeah, yeah I mean this this team begins and ends on the defensive end of the floor. Even their best offensive player in Kendrick Davis, a guy who just dropped tr- dropped 27 against the number 11 team in the country, led to a win. Even he is locked in on the defensive side of the ball, man. The knockaways he got the other day led to runouts. Like, what he was doing on the defensive end, there's a full buy-in. There's a full buy-in from every guy on this roster to what Penny sells on the defensive side. Yeah. And everyone knows what you're going to get. I mean, they had – and that's another thing about early season stuff. But yeah, the experience, cool, cool, cool. The identity is something you want to get done and, and set in stone, down pat early in the season. This team already has their identity, and that's why I think they've had the success they've had. I don't think Memphis has ever had an identity this early in the season. Mm-hmm. I think they've – I think they've begun to show signs at this point, and we've yeah. been like, okay, this looks like a defensive-heavy team, or this looks like a precious Chiwa-led team, yeah. or this looks like Jalen Duran's team. But it's like, no, 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 we know exactly, and we said it. Kenny and I in the first episode, you know, kind of laid it out what we thought, and it's it's kind of been to a T. You know, it's the offense goes as Kendrick Davis does, and how good do they play that yep. night defensively? Yep, and and, it, and that's and that's it. And even in their biggest wins of the year, like. <laughs> People can hold out hope, and I think it's fine. Like, who knows what happens as the season goes along, who who comes along as, as a three-point threat. But three-point shooting, outside shooting, is never going to be something they're great at. It's right. just not – it's not in the books for them this year. But the, the biggest wins of the year, Ole Miss, one for 15 from three. This game against Auburn, they only shot 11. They made four, mm-hmm. right? Like, it, they don't have to do that to win. And they, they have shown that. that. And they, they know and that's it. good. They know that they don't yes. have to. Yes. So, the game plan, when you watch in film, Penny, the staff, they all come together, and they, and they realize what they need to get done. And it doesn't have to do with going outside of their means offensively. Not at all. But this game is going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited yep. for this game. I know a lot of fans are excited for this game. Uh, in Tuscaloosa, top five opponent, coming off of a top 12 victory for Memphis. This team coming off of a win over the number one team. Like, this is a fun game with a lot of storylines. I think this is one of the best teams Nate Oates has had, too. And uh, obviously, I don't think they've gelled all together yet. They, they have a lot of young guys. I don't think they have a hole. Like, I don't think they have but, holes. But when we get into, you know – Next year, January, February basketball, I think that team's going to be peaking, and I think that's going to be probably one of the best, if not the best team in the SEC. Yeah. I really believe that. Yeah, I agree. Right. I mean, who who else is up there? Tennessee, Arkansas, is Tennessee the next potentially, highest? but they just lost Trayvon Brazil from that bench. Right. I think Tennessee's, Tennessee's been solid. Seven, they, they finished off against Maryland, I believe. Yes, they did. A good they win did. against Maryland. So, I mean, this Bama team – is the cream and of the, the crop Nate, in the SEC. In the Nate Oates era, like, he's had some good teams. I, I really do think this is the best one. Yeah, I agree. So, we will see yep. if Memphis – Early I, line, six and a half. Six and a half. I saw Bama it at seven. By. I saw it at seven, which, I mean, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not terrible. You know, home court, it would be, what, four and a half? Yeah. You usually do two points. And that's why I was thinking it was going to be close to double digits because it was in And that's the thing, like, if you're, if you're, if you're a handicapper, handicapping any Tiger game – Sort of have to take into consideration defense and how how bothersome they can be. Yeah. So like it's all it, 
it's hard for me to imagine the Tigers getting just blown out of the water. Mm-hmm. Now, Bama could have a great night from three, and that could potentially happen. I mean, who knows? If, if a bunch of shots drop, you can't yeah, do anything yeah, just, about yeah, it. just can't do Right? Anything. But mm-hmm. it, this Tiger team doesn't seem like that type of team that's just going to come out flat and get pulverized. It yeah. just, it's, it, it's not in their DNA. No, Penny has always gotten his guys, guys ready for big games. Regardless of how good or bad the teams have been since Penny's been here, I can't think of – can either one of you guys think of any big game where they not just big didn't game. show I remember up? The Tulsa, can, I remember the Tulsa 40-point yeah, 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 select, but yeah. not a big game. Right. Not a not big like game a, in particular. Not like a top team, like this is a huge match. I can't think of one off the top of my head where Memphis has just come in and laid a dud against a good team. Last year when they played – when they were in Nashville playing Tennessee. <laughs> well – that was COVID. Yeah. Never mind. Two years ago. They didn't play. So, you know. Good, good point. Yeah. Yeah. Off the top of your head, huh? Yeah. Of That's head. what you came up with. <laughs> off the top of my head, they got out on the floor and then they left. Oh, I bet Tennessee I fans are going to love hearing this one. Huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Lord. Okay. So, anything else that we want to get into with this game with Memphis basketball? I think we hit on basketball. Are we ready to pivot and talk a little bit of football? Absolutely. All right. Let's start with. Eh, let's start with recruiting. Of course, man. Fun. Well, I every official visit weekend after the season for the Tigers is multiple commits yep. every time. I mean, I, I I'm I'm getting them like with Silverfield and what he does in recruiting. I, Derek Hunter today out of the JUCO ranks from Huge. Hines. I got to see him. He's a four star according to two four seven. I think a high three star according to Rivals. I mean, I saw him play. I think it was either week three, week four because I called the Northwest Mississippi games. Baller man, six four, three hundred pounds. He's a, he's definitely a guy who likes to get up field, can pass rush, can can do stuff against the run. Yeah. Um. He he's a guy who offers from Arkansas. Got an offer from Colorado yesterday from Prime. Already had Jackson oh, here, State in the bag. Here, here oh. you go. The the Buffs fans. How do again. you? How do you? How do you? Turn anyways, down, um, how do you turn on the Buffaloes? <laughs> anyways, but seriously, I mean, there's there's a lot of guys no, yeah. that would take that offer yeah, right now. But he's got sure. all these offers from SEC schools, from Prime, um, and, and and he picks the Tigers, and he picks the Tigers, and this this recruiting class that's being put together again is probably going to be the best in the history of the school. Yeah. Three straight years is what we're looking at. Yeah, so three commits since Sunday. Darian Reed, offensive line. Did he have an offer from Prime? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Darian Reed uh, from Chisel, Chisholm Trail, uh, three-star offensive lineman, offensive right. tackle, 6'6", 280. So, big frame that they, big can, that they can. Athletic frame, too. Athletic frame that they can kind of build as to how they yep. want and, and kind of put him in whatever position they want to. Um, and then they get Chandler Martin from East Tennessee State. Yep. Uh, linebacker. FC, FC, yes, linebacker, FC, FCS. There you go. Freshman, All-American. <laughs> uh, first team, also con. I think he had 94 tackles, three and a half sacks, 10 tackles for loss, four pass breakups uh, as a redshirt freshman this year. So he was all over the field, had – Started to pick up offers. Doesn't have any, you know, major Power Five offers yet. But I think it's like Buffalo, Liberty. I think SMU recently right. offered. So he's picked up some pretty good offers. Um, I, I I was reading on Twitter about him today. You know, all the uh, all these people love putting right. out their opinions and stuff. And so some, you know, people that were more familiar with him before this than I was were saying how you know we've been saying that this guy's a D one linebacker, like this guy's an FBS linebacker. And now he gets his chance. So I know the staff is excited about him. 
Uh, and clearly there are some people that have been watching him play throughout the season that, you know, that are excited about him getting this opportunity uh, and just watching his film. I mean, he, he's exactly what – I think this was actually off-camera. Off-camera, you and, you and I and Kenny were talking about, you know, Memphis really needs that, that modern linebacker, that sideline Movable to sideline side to sideline covers. Is, good, is as good in coverage as they are against the run, can go bust heads, but can also, you know, hop out on a tight end or cover – that middle of the field, um, you know, as they're asked to do, and it looks like Chandler Martin, you yeah. know, has that ability. And, the, and and here's the thing about this recruiting class so far: they're putting together a lot of guys, whether it's high school, JUCO transfers. I mean, you got half high school guys you want to develop. You got half guys coming out of the portal that can help you right now. Yeah. They're they're really going for it for next year, guys that they think could be potential movers and shakers going into 2023 and that's what you want to see um and and i'm, I'm excited i'm telling you i'm excited about that Derek hunter kid oh, uh, he, I am he really that kid has juice he really does and obviously he's a two-year guy there at juco mm-hmm. he'll be going into his third year with the tigers come next year but that's a guy who should make an immediate impact i don't see why not they, they don't have the depth pieces that necessarily wow you he's a guy that i would imagine matt barnes has pretty quick plans for in the future yeah, and this is something that you hit on, I believe it was either last week or two week, two weeks ago, just talking about let's, let's find some JUCO ranks. Let's hit the JUCO ranks and get some guys that can contribute now. And not only is Derek Hunter from the JUCO ranks, but he's also, as you mentioned, 6'4", 300 pounds. That's not size that we're used to seeing at Memphis. Mm-hmm. Used to, if you're going to – or usually if you're going to get guys of that size, you have to build them up to that. Yeah. They don't come in tailor-made at that size. And we we know when you put weight on a guy and you get him to the size that you want him to be, then it takes time for him to find his footing and get back to the player that he was, you know, finding his speed, his athleticism. Yeah. But this guy is there. Yeah, like he's you, there. You copy and paste him from D-tackle to D-tackle, no reason from to Pines do. Community College to Memphis, right. and you don't have to change a thing. Yeah, you just, just teach him your scheme and yeah, what you want him to do. And let him go play. The because, expectation. Because he's, he's not a slugger. Like, he's mm. not a 6'4", 300-slug running around truth, out there. Like, dude the matter, can move. Matt Barnes, and this is sort of what we were promised in, in regards to what Matt Barnes was going to bring, and I don't think he had the guys up front to really go four-man front consistently, and he did sometimes this year. But I think this is a guy who could you could slide in at three technique and he could which is outside the guard and he could be a playmaker immediately. He's a guy that can really get penetration. He can rush the passer. He's got good moves. Yeah. He plays with motor. I, I like what this guy has. And uh, on your on your weight on your weight discussion, mm-hmm. you, you brought up the offensive lineman six six two eighty. I forget the name name slipping me right Darian now. Darian Reed. Darian Reed. I like seeing guys, and this is just my preference. When it, and I, different coaching staffs are different, and you know wherever you're at in the country, I like seeing guys that come in a little underweight at O line, so you can add yeah. that weight and then you go from there. I think it's much better than coming in. You see a lot of guys <laughs> big, coming in with big, all the unhealthy weight, big sloppy dude. Yes, that's like yeah. 370 pounds that yeah. you have to lose weight. Well, it, the discussion with those guys is always, well, if he gets to 330, man, he'll be a stud. Right. Well, damn, man. It's going to take a him a year and a half <laughs> to get to 330. Yeah. Like, you could put on weight. I mean, you just – honestly, because this is what happens, you overfeed a guy yeah. when you're trying to gain weight. It's a lot easier to get a guy to gain weight, I think. You can speak to this, but for offensive linemen, it pretty much takes an off season, right? Yeah. Like, like it, for a guy that comes – say he comes in over the summer, pretty much by the time season rolls around – He's probably put that, you know, 15 to 20 yeah. pounds on that they want pretty that, easily. It's not, it's not that complicated. Yeah. You you eat two plates at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You take some 
protein shakes in the middle, as long as you're at least a little bit um, disciplined yeah. on it, you're, you're going to be able to gain that weight. But that dude that's 370 is 370 for a reason. Right. You feel me? So I like, right. I, I like to see that type of build that they're bringing in. Now, granted, they have a couple of guys that are big interior guys. RJ Adams from last week that we discussed is 325 pounds. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, he could be tailor-made. He may be comfortable at that weight. But I like to see, especially in a high school project, going under that weight and trying to put that on after the fact because I just yeah. think that makes more sense long-term. Let's talk about what they're doing in this class, especially over the last couple weeks because I'm a huge fan. It's To me, it's very clear that they've started identifying some holes that immediately needed to get filled. We talked about going to the JUCO ranks. You go get Marcus Tillman last week yep. from Navarro College. Another linebacker, thick, sturdy, can move sideline to sideline linebacker. That's what they need. I think they know they were lacking a little bit of athleticism at the linebacker position and have been for years. And it's been an issue, especially yeah. in coverage. Especially yep. in coverage, they've they've had a pretty solid run defense the last two or three years because mm-hmm. they've had some guys that can thump, but they're missing guys that can move sideline to sideline, can cover and thump, and thump well, the whole right. package. You gotta, right. That's what you have to be nowadays yeah. as a linebacker. And I think th- I think they've recognized that, and they're addressing that need. Chandler Martin, Marcus Tillman, getting some of these guys that can come in. They haven't really had any standout defensive linemen. I mean, O'Brien Goodson comes to mind. Solid, but yep. but they haven't just had that dude that can just go dominate every play. Mm-hmm. And that feels like Morris Joseph was kind of that mold. Morris, obviously yeah, transferred was, out. Yeah, Morris obviously was very good and had a very good season. But it's it's like Derek Hunter fits that yeah, mold. Absolutely. Derek Hunter fits that like this dude can clog the middle. He can rush the passer. He can just be a terror in the middle of the defense. And there's nothing. And I, I mean, you can disagree with me on this and tell me if I'm wrong. But I don't think there's anything that throws an offensive line off more than a guy who can consistently get pressure and just chew up the middle of an offensive well, line. Well, let me let me paint this picture right now. If you have a four-man front right now with what they're going to have on this roster, if Derek Hunter signs his letter of intent, you have 6'6", 330-pound Cam Jackson, and you have 6'4", 300-pound Derek Hunter. I don't know. And O'Brien was a good player, but how undersized was that but, defensive yeah. line, they're, man? Him and Morris, they're, they're, him and getting, both. they're getting substantially better bigger yep. on that side of the ball, which we have not seen in Years. a long time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, JoJo Dorsey is playing on that side of the ball. Great player. Undersized. Undersized. Yep. You're finally getting those guys that fit the mold of just cloggers, guys that can bother an opposing O-line. And it's, it's cool to see, man. And obviously, when we talk about addressing needs, I think we should address, you know, looking at last year, you thought they addressed needs when it came to the run game. You went and got Jay Ducker. You went and uh, Terrence McLean, you signed uh, Ira Henry, who didn't actually end up making it and, and staying on on the roster for a long time. You tried to address the run game, but none of those things really actively helped this year. You have to see it in action too, right? Yeah. But addressing it's half the battle, right? And showing the 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 aptitude, the the ability to go get these guys on the recruiting trail. Yeah, and then that brings me to the last one, which is as you mentioned, R.J. Adams. They know they have a needed offensive line. Yeah. They know that that's number one priority. And R.J. Adams, we don't know what he is yet. I don't think anyone really knows what he is yet. You know, started his career at Kentucky, transferred to Georgia Tech, and it wasn't for him. So, it's like, this guy was the number – We'll see. He was the number 23 overall guard just two years ago. This isn't a guy that's coming from the 2018 class that, you know, has flamed out at three different programs. Dude's looking for a spot. Right. 
to Dude, stay. Yeah, I want to go play here and be a starter and show what I can do. Is what it feels like. Yeah. Because you do have those guys that was like, oh, you know, four or five years ago, I was a dude coming out of high school, and it's just they never panned out. It doesn't feel like this with R.J. Adams. It feels like, you know, we know what Kentucky's offensive lines like. Kentucky's oh, offensive lines dogs. Nasty. Yeah. Um, except this year they were a little str- they, yeah, <laughs> struggled a little but, bit, but but usually year to year is, that's that's what they have built their program off right. is trim- trenches. Yeah, and I and I think R.J. Adams is the first, and I don't believe they're going to be the last. You know, address, them addressing the offensive line, and I think going and getting him early is a big get because they know they need it. You get a guy that's six three, three thirty, that you know has that that power five level. Yep, was the number twenty three overall guard coming out of high school just two years ago, like I mentioned. And you know, we'll see what he's got. And also, I think you know when you look at leadership at the offensive line position see see what you need to do there and if if there's something if it's a move you need to make whether it's coaching staff whatever you need to make that move also when it comes to the offense in general i have said this for a couple of years differentiate those run schemes man find find different ways to attack the defense 95% of the time the run game this year was sort of inside zone just trying to run in between the tackles or outside zone right off tackle yeah there wasn't a whole lot of power where you're pulling a guard. There wasn't counter where you're pulling guard and tackle or tight end. You know, in in Norvell's day, in 2017, counter scheme. We ran consistently. We would pull guard, pull tackle, pull tight end all the time. Then we come back with those zone plays. Find a way within that offensive structure because I know – I know what Silverfield wants to get done. I know what Ryan wants to get done. Yeah. He wants to run the ball at a high level, but you have to maybe go more hands-on and find how you want to go run the ball and change it up a little bit. Because I felt there was a level of predictability, at least on the field, visibly, to what they were trying to uh, show, a, show a defense. Right. Do you think that has to do with trusting the guys that are out there? Yeah. To mix up I, the I think a lot. A I, th- I, think a, I think a whole lot of it, because if you have a guy who can't pull, a guy who can't make a down block and sort of swab the whole side of the line you for don't the pull to get that around. Get if you, the second level. Yeah, if you don't have guys that can get it done, you can't do it. But yeah. I still think to, to unlock, you have to try things. You have to try new things, right? And see, yeah. what, see what guys do best. And I think we all know Ryan doesn't want to be one-dimensional one dimensional when it comes to when, but when it comes to the run scheme, right? Like you want to have some zone, you want to have some power scheme in there, you want to have reachers and pullers, yeah. and you like you said, you want to bring those tight ends around, you want tackles pulling. There were times when centers were pull, like he yeah. will pull anybody. Like yeah. Southfield has pulled all positions <laughs> yes. of the offensive Correct. line. Um, so I think he wants to differentiate, and I think he wants to be um, he wants to be able to mix it up in the running game, and he just hasn't or hasn't felt like he's had the guys to do that. So if he can get that right in the offseason, if he can develop some of the younger guys that have come in, because they've brought in some very very highly ranked offensive yep. linemen, if they can get some veteran guys that he trusts and that you know he he's watched on film and says, this guy can do exactly what I want him to do, then maybe we can get back to that. And yep. I, I, think that's his, I think that's his number one goal. I think he's yep. probably – more than tired yeah. of not when, being able when you to see run them the ball. go into twelve personnel with two tight ends, right? Or, or ace, ace, sort of uh, where you have a tight end on each side. Like yeah. that's him putting his handprints on the offense. But you have to have the guys to go do that. Absolutely, and those have to be successful plays going forward. I, I mean, I remember twenty eighteen, the Tigers lined up against Houston. In, in the, in the Liberty Bowl, and the whole fourth quarter was JoJo Dorsius on lead after, lead after yeah. lead after lead after lead, imposing their will. I know he wants to get back to I it. I don't think they threw the ball one time. Yeah, but I, I know that, you know, 
imposing their will like that is something they want to get back to, but they have to have the guys to go do it. They're addressing it, but it has to it has to show. It Absolutely. To show. So so big props to Silverfield and the staff. Obviously, they've been killing it on the trail, getting the guys they want, uh, hitting the transfer portal hard. Like already two additions, but when you look at the offers are pouring out to different guys. You know, guys that are coming from the Power Five level, guys that are yep. coming from lower levels that have you know outperformed their their rankings or who people thought they were. So um, they have a chance to to really start to build this thing back up. So I did some social media snooping. Okay, Ra Ra Thomas. I was just doing it. I was just I was just looking at it. He hadn't committed yet, right? No. So while we're recording this, I'm I'm not being wrong. So I was looking through his uh, social media. He only posted one Group of Five offer on his Twitter. It was only Memphis? It was only Memphis. That's the only one he posted from the group of five. So, Kenny, last week, Kenny, with all the positivity, he may be on to something. Who knows? Let's go. <laughs> Who knows? Listen, if y'all – if if I get this right, if he commits the Tigers, y'all have to promise that the next episode after he commits, y'all will do shirtless. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, I don't know if I can commit to that. I don't, <laughs> Maybe. Know, I don't know if anybody would even watch that, though. Yeah. I think we might be screwing ourselves. Well, if you see, you know Burt Kreischer, right? Oh, the, the comedian. Do I know Burt? Oh, yeah. I've seen Burt twice live. Come on. Is he hilarious live? Dude, he's awesome. I saw I'm, I'm, I'm like more of a Tom Segura guy. I, I like Bo- Tom Segura. I love both of them. So I saw in 2020, Burt did a, a drive, like a summer drive in tour. Yeah, didn't Tom do that one, too? No, he didn't. So I, the are you talking about the, the one, one in, in Bartlett? It, yeah, it's yeah. summer driving. Yeah. No, it was just it was just Bert. Okay, uh, but that was freaking awesome. Like that was a ball. Me and my best friend went, got there. Soup. We were the first ones in line. We sat on the front, like I say, front row. They had like, <laughs> yeah. they had, cars. Well, no, everybody's able to get out of their cars, but they had like a hundred yards of concrete in between the stage and where they actually started letting people get out because it was you know he COVID. was not getting COVID. Yeah, right. What you're saying. Um, and then I actually saw him in. September, we went on bachelor trip for my now brother-in-law in Dallas, and we saw him, and man, it was awesome. He's, fun, he's funny, dude. He's hilarious. He's funny, dude. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, you know, you got a good pod, too, if you ever seen it, yep. with Tom Segura. Yep. Two Bears, One Cave. It's a good one. But you want me to go that full Burt Kreischer next episode. If Ra Ra commits, I go full Burt Kreischer on here. You know, we could. People how, would cry. You could. might have to You might have to get like a block out like to cover my <laughs> a body. Big, a, big, a big box over here. Indecent exposure type <laughs> thing going on over here. Do you drink Kool-Aid like Burt Kreischer drinks Kool-Aid? <laughs> no. <laughs> he had like the 64-ounce Kool-Aid. <laughs> like, yeah. How many of those do you drink a day? He's like, like I got to drink my Kool-Aid. He goes, yeah. you have Kool-Aid in that thing? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Now well, I can promise you all this. I will not spike y'all's drinks with any drugs Molly? with Molly. Like, Please don't. Yeah, don't worry <laughs> about don't. that. If for anybody that doesn't know what we're talking about, just type in Burt Kreischer spiked drink and you'll Ari know Shapir. Exactly. Ari Shapir. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, you'll get a kick out of that one. That. Um, we, got, we got this new Frigidaire. I don't want to get fooled. Yeah, I'm not going to. If it's already cracked or something, I'm not touching it. I'm not touching it. <laughs> Oh, I think I trust Kenny though. I think I think I can trust Kenny a little he's, bit. He's never drugged know, me though, before man. in the four years. He's never never drugged me before. <laughs> never drugged you before. Never. So we're we're at a good point in our friendship where I have not been drugged. Um, <laughs> is that how you judge? That's your, how, that's is how, that how you judge your friendship? That's how I judge what every a wild, friendship. What a wild left turn this podcast <laughs> just took. I'd like to apologize. He's a great. He's a, he's a good friend. He's a good friend if he doesn't drug me. He he's a great friend if yeah. he does drug me. Is that what you're no, saying? No, absolutely yeah. okay. not. I'm just freak out. Hey guys, as we wrap it up a little bit, I think I think we need to talk a little bit about <laughs> we okay. uh, on a somber note. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, okay. What I know you, where you're going. What you guys – we had a conversation last week about Mississippi State and their <laughs> head coach. Obviously, over the last couple of days, some really terrible news has come out of Starkville. Um, you guys want to talk about Mike Leach and just kind of what's going on and just your thoughts on it? Yeah, man. I, I That news is awful. And, you know, I think we should be as hopeful as we can about seeing what – will come of this, and hopefully he can make a recovery, but it doesn't look that way based on the reports. So, I, obviously, the massive heart attack, and uh, he has brain damage because of it. And I last I heard, he's on support, and they're trying to get him, get him back at the moment. But, man, you think of Mike Leach and all he's done for the game of football. And, obviously, I think he's a, he's a larger-than-life personality. Like, that, yeah. that part of him is like – I mean, that's, that's – so memorable, and he he's he's done a good job with that. But just thinking about the game of football, I was, I was thinking about where we're at in 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 the game, air raid in the NFL. Cliff Kingsbury, a guy yeah. that coached under him in, in in college, like him and Hal Mummy, who started the air raid. Well, Hal Mummy originally originated yeah. it, and he was a branch off of it. He has gotten so many coaches paid off of his schemes and. How much we do with his scheme still today, like, it took it, – it, and sometimes it, it stinks because, like, things like this have to happen before you really think about things like right, this. Right, before, like, you, the, really before you really sit something. back and start to appreciate. Yeah. But his fingerprints are not just all over the game at the college level. They're all over the game in general. Like, he molded a lot of the modern-day passing concepts that Spread we it use. Out. And Spread it's, it out. It, it's unbelievable to think how much he really had an impact on this sport. I mean, it's 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 insane. It's insane. Yeah. No, it's it's super super saddening because you never expect stuff like that. Because I think we always look at role models, athletes, coaches. We kind of look at them as like larger than life. Especially yeah. if, if you're big sports guys like us, like we look at them as like larger than life and kind of invincible and untouchable. And so you see it any time something like this happens is just like everybody kind of stops and you think about it like man these guys are human too like they're yeah. not they're not superheroes and obviously uh, all the details haven't been released and that that's not really what matters i mean it's it's a terrible thing and you know obviously thoughts and prayers to his family and to the team like that's got to be such a difficult thing to go to and yes the team is one thing but we know family right. family comes first uh, his 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 kids and his wife and all these things it's just terrible um, and like you said, he's larger than life. Like he is one of the, when you think of like huge personalities as coaches, like Mike Leach is one of the first guys that comes to mind. And so it's just, it's horrible. How many yeah. quotable moments over yeah, the years, man. So many. And it just, it's not something I don't, I don't think I've ever seen something like this happen, you know, for a current coach. And it's just, it, it makes that reality hit even harder. I for think. the various places he's been, he's never been at that large, crazy, and Mississippi State's probably the best job he's had. Yeah. But I mean Texas Tech, Washington State, like these, these places that are in Power Fives, but within the margins. Mm -hmm. Like what he's cha what he changed them to and made them good jobs. Yeah, he's kind of transcended the boundaries. I mean, he's 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 an unbelievable football mind, and obviously prayers out to all of our uh, Mississippi State family, his family. I mean, it's it's a it's a tough situation, and you know the truth of the matter is it look ble looks bleak. Yeah. Um, but we'll see what comes out of it. Yep. Um, 
We got anything else, guys? Anything from Gabe? Anything from Kenny over there? Your Cowboys with a struggle win over the Texans? Yeah. Well, we, we, don't we, we, we don't have enough time with that. Struggle win, ball. Were you heart pumping? Yeah, Ninety-eight yard drive to go win that thing, huh? Yeah, it was a that was yeah. a tough one. That was a tough one. I was like, we were really about to blow it against the one and ten Texans, but we came back. One ten and one. They have a tie. One ten and one. Yep. Yeah. No. One eleven and one. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That a boy. You can't really brag over that one. Um. Yeah, that was a crappy win, but it happened. <laughs> um. <laughs> Other than that, I I don't think I got it. anything. You guys both said y'all are good, correct? All good. Gabe, you anything else? Kenny, you anything else? All right. Well, we appreciate you guys for joining us again. Keep keep letting Kenny know how awesome this is because we saw a lot of comments on social media, and I know Kenny probably appreciate it because he's worked his butt off uh, to put this together and, like I said last week, to make us look, sound, feel better than we really are. Um, but check us out everywhere that you can. Uh, check us out at our website, bluffcitynil.com. We're still trying to get it pumping and, and build it up. So please head over there, check it out, see what we're putting out as far as content goes. We've got some great writers on there that are putting out content. Uh, we have all of our podcasts linked on there, all of our videos that Kenny does for YouTube on there, uh, including that one-on-one video with Demaria Franklin. you got to check that out. Um, head over to YouTube. That is another thing that we are trying to build up furiously. Subscribe, like, comment. Let us let us know what you guys want to see. Let us know uh, what you like, what you don't like. We take constructive constructive criticism uh, pretty well. And then obviously when it comes to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast, you can listen to us. Same thing. Uh, Give us a give us a rating. Give us a five star rating if we're if IG we're, account on the Bluff Pod. If we're doing all right, the new Instagram account on the Bluff Pod. Uh, starting to get a wee bit of traction oh, teensy, on there. Teensy weensy. Uh, Twitter at Bluff City NIL starting to get some traction on there as well. So we appreciate you guys for everything. Um, this is new for all of us. You know, we we obviously all know each other and love each other here in this room. Ain't that right, Kenny? Um, but uh, but this is new for us, and you know we're kind of building from the bottom and working our way up. So we appreciate everything you guys are doing to support us and help us out. And we will see you back here next week. Thank you for listening to On the Bluff. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a comment wherever you download your podcasts. Head over to www.bluffcitynil.com, where you will find comprehensive coverage of Tiger Athletics and how you can become a contributor. We'll see you back here next week.